It is a real privilege for me to be with you today. I had a great day yesterday with Mike and the team, uh, Don, and uh, getting to learn a little bit about uh, Wynn and uh, Wynn Baptist Church and your long, wonderful heritage of service and ministry to this community and around the world. Uh, one of uh, the goals of B.H. Carroll Theological Institute is to return theological education back to the local church where it began. Uh, we um, have no campus, the place in Arlington are our administrative offices, but we partner with churches uh, in the United States and around the world to uh, offer and equip men and women called to serve Christ in the diverse and global ministries of His church. And uh, it's a very exciting uh, endeavor. It's really why I left the local church. Uh, actually, Legacy was one of our teaching churches. I was one of their uh, pastors. By the way, we uh, raise up again. We hold up the value of pastor as scholar and uh, use, again, that model, that ancient model where the pastor-teacher uh, equips people through teaching and training uh, for the work of ministry locally and around the world. So uh, I left about a year ago from uh, Legacy after 26 years of wonderful ministry uh, with a group of people. Uh, we went through many changes as a church. Matter of fact, I tell folks when I left Legacy, it was Legacy 4.1. And you could pretty much <laughs> point to those times when we changed our operating system, never changing our mission, but always trying to test methodologies to be God's people in a changing world in which we find ourselves. And the same thing is true with you. Uh, you have the opportunity to always adapt to where God has placed you, never changing your message, never changing your mission, uh, but always testing ways in which you can meet the needs of the people here in Wynn and in this part of Arkansas and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about uh, today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter uh, 11. Uh, toward the end of, of uh, that uh, chapter in verse 19. And I want to introduce you to a church that you probably have already read about, the church in Antioch. And what was significant about this church is that it became a biblical model for me and may become a biblical model for, for you to consider who you are as a follower of Christ and who you are as a group of people in this part of the world. And I want us to just walk through. Now, there are parts of the Bible that are very clearly uh, prescriptive. Jesus said, do these things. Paul wrote, do these things. But there are other parts that are descriptive. And uh, this is one of those. The, the, the scriptures are describing what the Holy Spirit was doing with the group of people. And while it does not become a mandate for us, it give, gives us an example of what could happen if God truly used a group of people in a certain locale to accomplish his purpose. Uh, what I want to do today is talk about a mission outpost. What does that look like and what does that feel like? And how would God use you today? Now, some of us go, what on earth is a mission outpost? Well, I grew up, I was born and raised in Texas. My ministry has pretty much been, been there. And one of the things that you may know about Texas that we all know is part of our history of our independence from Mexico. And that was the battle at a little place in San Antonio called the Alamo. Oh, good. 
good. We know that. By the way, Alamo means cottonwood. It, it just is probably named uh, just of the cottonwood trees that were there around it. And the Alamo was one of, come to find out, about 35 missions that the Spanish um, Franciscan uh, monks play, uh, planted throughout Texas in the 1600s and 1700s. And it was a very specific strategy in which they would come, the, the priests would come, and they would come to a locale, and they would build a mission, a church, and then a, a compound around it. Now, also, the country of Spain uh, would send troops with them, and they would have a presidio next to it. But the intent of the mission was to evangelize uh, the, the, the Indians. And they would not only evangelize them, introduce them to who Christ was and through the gospel, but they also would teach them a, a new way of life. And in this new way of life, it would they would teach them farming and teach them to be blacksmiths and all the things that the, industrialize, uh, the industrializing world in Europe uh, could benefit those who were locally there. And so these missions began to pop up all over Texas and across the, the southern United States. Now, the goal was, again, to evangelize the local people and, secondly, to teach them a new way of life. And then, thirdly, and this didn't always happen, but the goal was that once there was a sufficient population of Christians, or uh, in that case, Roman Catholics, that the Franciscan monks would move on and plant another one and turn the land back over to the people and turn the church over to the local clergy in that place. And that was the strategy. Of course, there was all that was good about that, and there was a lot that was really bad about that, and that worked. But if you're thinking about what is a mission, what is a mission outpost, kind of think of that historic uh, model. But with that in mind, let's go to this church in Antioch. And I want us to look at uh, some characteristics of this church that God strategically and to this day uses the local church as an outpost for the kingdom of God to establish a, a group of people who live and love, uh, live out a life and love the Lord Jesus Christ and do two things. What would that be? share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and teach a new way of living. Now, you may think uh, Spanish Catholicism in, uh, in West Texas were about the, the biggest clash of two cu cultures that there could be, and it was. One of the problems with the, the American church today is that we look just like the culture in which we find ourselves. But if we read the scriptures, we come to the scriptures and we realize that we are to live like what? Resident aliens. We are to live as a, a different kind of people. Not different for different sake, but our values are different. Uh, I heard someone say the other day, we really need to be a community of contrast and servants to our community contrast in our attitudes toward things like money, sex, power, who people are, how we treat one another. And when we look just like the culture, the culture around us wonders, well, well then what, what are you here for? We are a mission outpost for the kingdom of God, a group of people under the leadership and the lordship of Christ that we are to tell the message of Jesus and we are to introduce them to a new creation way of life. 
Okay, let's see how that works in, in, uh, in uh, Acts. Chapter 11, verse 19. Uh, and it starts by saying, and they were dispersed uh, because of the, um, uh, the tribulation or the persecution of Stephen that had happened uh, earlier. And they went off to Phoenicia and Cyprus and to Antioch. And this is where the, I want us to talk, uh, this locale, this city. Uh, but look what, how it ends the verse. And I, I read it kind of awkwardly the way it's written. It says, and not saying the, the message or a word except only to Jews. In other words, here is a group of people. Uh, Jerusalem was where the church began. Of course, that was where Pentecost was. And the Holy Spirit was breathed upon them. And they were living under, and hear this, the same co-mission with Christ you and I live in. We are to go what? We saw the video. Go and make disciples. Well, they had been told to go and make disciples. But what did they do? They stayed in Jerusalem and made disciples but they were not moving. Uh, there was some evidence of, of their movement, chapter 6, and, and uh, through Philip and others uh, like them. But the mass of the folks were staying t together. And what, by the way, that's kind of how we are, isn't it? We, we'd rather kind of just stay and be. But what happened when, when Stephen was stoned and persecution came, Paul began to turn up, or now Saul, began to, to, to turn up the heat on the church. They dispersed. And they ended up in Antioch. And what happened here in Antioch was that they found people in neighborhoods just like themselves, and they were only telling the message of Jesus to people like them. Again, that's what happens to a lot of churches. A lot of churches, one, are, are founded unintentionally, and two, we spend most of our time talking to people just like us. Nothing wrong with that. But the, the mission that God has called us to is to make disciples of all what? Nations. Now, we translate that word nations. If you took English letters and put them over the Greek letters, it's the word we get ethnic from. And I think probably a better 21st century uh, translation of that, that word or concept is go make disciples of all ethnics or all ethnic groups. We know that in our world today that governmental boundaries change all the time, but ethnic groups stay together. We've learned this in Iraq, the Sunnis and the Shiites and the Kurds. I don't care where you draw the, the government boundaries, those people stay together, right? And God understood that. And there are ethnic groups around us and around the world, and he says, go make disciples of all ethnic groups. And so uh, these folks were, were, were hanging out with their own ethnic groups. So here's, here's a characteristic of a um, mission outpost. And it's the opposite, really, of what happened here. And it's the first uh, point I want to share with you. And I don't know if you're going uh, to write this in your Bible or in notes that you have. But here's the first thing. The question is, is our church intentionally mission-driven? Is our church intentionally about being the things that God has called us to be about? This church in Antioch kind of formed unintentionally, but a true mission outpost says we are going to a place, to a people, and we are going to tell them about Christ and show them a new way of living. Look what happens, though, in, in uh, verse, verse 20. 
It says, but there were some of them, uh, Cyprians and, and um, uh, Cyrenians. He said, they, they came to Antioch, and they were what? They were speaking to Greeks and evangelizing or telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus. There was a group that came from places different than Jerusalem, and what did they begin to do? They began to speak to people different than they were. And I want to offer to you that that is the changing and the turning point of what happened in this church. There was a group of people who said, you know what, I love hanging out with people just like me. I love hanging out with Arkansas fans. I love hanging out with cotton farmers. I love hanging out with, with high school football players. That's really what I like to do. But you know what? Christ didn't just come to one group. He died for all people. And you know what? I'm going to step across the cafeteria. I'm going to step across the offices. I'm going to step across the highway. And I'm going to go to people that may not look like me, think like me, but I know that Christ died for them just as he died for me, and I'm going to go to them. And the second characteristic of a mission outpost is that, is that we, God's people talk to lost people. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone who, by the way, if you had, someone who, if you had brought them today and they heard all the music that we sang and they said the words that we said, would they go, what on earth is going on in this room? See, you and I are comfortable with all that language and we are comfortable with the reigning Lord and we're comfortable with all Jesus Messiah, but go find somebody and do you even know anybody? They're here. In fact, I was told yesterday, what it, uh, Don, that what, 75% of the county on this, on this Sunday morning will not be in any church? 75%. And there are even, uh, there are portions of that that have never heard the gospel of Jesus. Do you know anyone in your life who is far from God, who, who does not know who Christ is? And if you brought them in here on a Sunday and they heard everything that we're talking about, would go, Oh, that's, kind of, that's kind of odd. That kind of makes me feel, feel different because I know nothing about that. We're comfortable with it, and it is part of our praise, and it's part of our language. It's part of who we are and how we relate to God and sing our praises to Him. But there are people who don't understand this, and one of the changes that can happen and that will cause a church to be a mission outpost for the kingdom of God like the church in Antioch is that some of you will simply say, you know what? Comfort is not the purpose of my life. God's call on my life challenges the comfort of my life and that I will go to those who are not like me in order to tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ. If no one else will, I will. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit is giving you the name of someone you know in your life. Someone at school, someone at work, someone on a, on a team that you play with as a hobby, a group that you hunt with, a group that you fish with, a group that you work with. God's putting somebody's name on your heart, and, and maybe that, that is the beginning. Well, what happens is the church begins to explode, and the reason I know that is in verse 21. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and their numbers began to grow of those who trusted the Lord. And all, what was it different? 
All that was different is that a group of people who are followers of Christ went to people unlike them and began to tell them about Jesus. And then what does it say? And the hand of the Lord was upon them. The Holy Spirit was empowering them. And the church began to explode. And what happened is not just Jewish followers of Jesus began to come in the church, but, you ready for this, non-Jewish people started coming into the church. And... I love this part in verse 22. And the word got down to the church in Jerusalem. And they began to hear that they were eating pork up there. And that Gentiles were eating with Jews. And they were letting people into the church and the services and the fellowship of the believers who weren't circumcised. And so what did, what did they do? They do what all, <laughs> they send someone up to check it out. And that's basically what happened in verse 22. Barnabas was sent up to Antioch. Now, the good news is, is that what it says when he got there. And by the way, when a church begins to explode in growth, and Don was telling me this yesterday, is that you guys need to know there's going to be a little chaos going on. See, there's a difference between being part of the movement of Christ and maintaining an institutional church. If you're here, if you exist as a group of people to make, their, make sure the church that's always been here will be here, you're looking at the wrong thing. The church that's always been here is here because Christ has blessed it. Remember what Christ said? He said that, that uh, when it was accessory of Philippi, he says, what, don't, whatever comes out of the gates of hell, and that was a literal place. That was a tourist trap that everybody went to. It was the, the, the there were, actually is and still is a hole that they could never find the bottom of, and they thought this gates of Hades was, was the way into the underworld. And he says, and there was this fear of what would come out of there, not just what, what would, anybody would ever go in there. And Jesus basically was saying, whatever would come, the gates of Hades, whatever would come, can't prevail against this. Folks, you cannot kill the movement of God. You cannot mess up what God is trying to do. Now, you can be a poor witness. You can, you can, you can uh, cross the boundaries of his commandments. But God's purposes are greater and will be in movement until he returns. So it's okay to risk new methods. It's okay to, to enter a little chaos if God is doing things. And there will be those who will come from others and check you out. I promise you. I know this. There will be those who will say, what's going on over there at Wynn Baptist Church? They got so-and-so going to church there now. You know what they were doing last Sunday? Have you heard about what, the, what part of the city they're going to? Have you? Do you know who's, what they're doing? Do you see what I'm saying? But that is not our goal. Our goal is not to have a reputation with those who would criticize. Our goal is to live out the mission call of God on our lives. And when Barnabas went in verse 23, what does it say? And he saw the grace of God was upon them. And by the way, Luke reminds us in verse 24 that he was, he was a good man and he filled with the Holy Spirit and he was trusting. And the Lord increased the numbers. Again, 
he's simply saying, notice what Barnabas did. He did not do anything but encourage them to, to continue to follow their hearts. Do what God is telling them to do. And this, folks, was so different. This wasn't, this wasn't being done in Jerusalem. This wasn't evidence in any other place. But God had begun to, to, to make a, a work and do a work in this place. And this man who, who was filled by the Holy Spirit came maybe sent by the Jerusalem church to stop this mess? Quit eating ham? Don't you know you're a Jewish person? This is not kosher? Make sure... No, he came and he saw this miracle of those who had no clue what the Jewish laws were about, sitting at the table in fellowship with those who were fully devoted followers of, of the first covenant of God through Moses. Remember Peter... God came to Peter and said, said uh, uh, you know, he gave him the picture and said, all those things are clean, you can eat anything in there. And he went, whoa, 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 God, I've never eaten anything that you said was unclean. And God said, no, no, everything's clean. And by the way, there's two guys down there, and you're about to, to I want you to go with them, and I'm going to show you what I'm up to. And he went to the, church, the house of Cornelius, and I promise you, the foundations of the world shook when Peter stepped across that th threshold into the house of this Gentile. That was not to be done. And I bet Peter's heart was just beating like crazy, like, oh, I'm about to break every rule I've ever, but God said it's okay, and I'm in. And what does he see? He says what happened there is that the Holy Spirit, the same evidence of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost came into that house, and Peter says, you know what I just figured out, I've, what I've seen? God is not prejudiced toward anyone. God's love is for all. He is not a respecter of persons. And Peter in chapter 15 that we'll come to later on, well, not today, is that the, the come, come to, he'll be the one that says, you know what, you're right. Jesus was a, a follower, uh, was a Jew. Jesus is the Messiah. We are Jews, but you know what? This gospel is going to all people. One of the hallmarks of a, a mission outpost of the things of God is so that is that all people know that they are welcome to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now look in verse 25. I think Barnabas, I know Barnabas did this, when he saw all of these pagans coming in who had no clue about the story of God in the Old Covenant, and, and the stories of Genesis and the prophets and the writings and, and that he knew, they knew nothing of these things. He said, you know what? They need somebody to teach them. The church has always been a teaching place. The church for uh, until the university became separate from the church. Again, that's what these mission outposts were in Texas in particular. They were places of teaching and training. And what, what happened is, is that, that Barnabas remembered there was this fiery Pharisee. There's this little guy who, man, when he started talking about Jesus, he had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he just lit up. He knows the Bible. He knows the Old Covenant better than anybody I know. But he also knows Jesus. These people who have come here, they need to hear his teaching. And so it tells us in verse 25 that he went to Tarsus where Saul had, had uh, settled down and settled in and, and was doing. And by the way, I, I think it's interesting that Saul was a Sunday school teacher before he was a missionary, just for, for a little aside there. 
He finds him and brings them, and look in verse 26. And by the way, verse 25 tells me that admission out folks, our, our church leaders are always inviting people into ministry. See, I believe God has, has gifted you with the Holy Spirit. When you said yes to Jesus, he gifted you with the Holy Spirit and is expecting you to produce the fruit of the Spirit just as you plant cotton out here or, or uh, beans, uh, beans or rice. When you put the seed in the ground, something's supposed to come up, right, that thing? Well, when the Holy Spirit is planted in you, when you, begin to tr when you trust Christ, he expects evidence of that to, of his Spirit to, to grow in your life. That's what the fruit of the Spirit are. And one of the questions I ask are you, how am I maturing in Christ? Am, am I more loving than I was last year? Do I have more joy than I had last year? Is there more peace of Christ in my life than there was last year? How's the, how's the Holy Spirit crop doing in my life? That's one way, way to know. And, and because you have this Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit and because He has gifted you, empowered you with the way to serve in the church on His mission, He has called you in Christ Jesus, not just to make it to heaven, but for your life to count for eternity now. And by the way, I, I've just got to remind you again, God has placed you in Christ Jesus exactly where he wants you. I don't think it's any mistake where you live. It's no mistake where you work. It's no mistake what team you play on. It's no mistake uh, the hobbies that you have. God has placed you there because there is a network of people connected to your life that is connected to no one else. And if you think that your life exists in Christ to make you comfortable and happy and healthy, you have totally misunderstood why Christ died on the cross and was raised and empowers you today to live. He has placed you, yes, even in the family with the weird uncle. That, he's put you there because only you have contact with a weird uncle. Only you have contact with that group of people. And God is using you and those other Christians that network through that, those relationships to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and to evidence to them the victorious life that he has shown you, the new creation life that he has given you. And so what Barnabas did here was went and, and got Paul... And, they, and it says here that they've taught, they gathered the church together and they taught for over a year and many people uh, began uh, to grow. One of the hallmarks of a mission outpost is, is it a teaching and equipping church and you're doing that. And it's not teaching and equipping so that you can get medals on your shirt for all the things that you memorize and know or that you won the, the Bible trivia contest. So that's a good thing. Knowledge leads to, uh, to, to, to uh, skill. There's no question about that. But the end goal is not for you to know stuff. The end goal is for you to know who Christ is and to be able to share that with others. And look what happens here. And I, I love this passage. And it was in Antioch that they were first called, the disciples were first called what? Christians. The word Christian means a little Christ. Someone who is, is like the Messiah, who, who li lives uh, uh, for, for Christ. And one of the evidences of a local church is 
or a mission outpost is that they have a reputation in the community. Now, hear this. The form of this word in verse 26 is that they were called, which simply means someone else called them Christians. The, the Christians of Antioch did not get together and go, you know what? We need to get T-shirts that say Christians on them. And we need to get bumper stickers for our chariots and put those on our carts and our chariots and let everybody know we're Christians. No, that's not, that didn't happen at all. And some even say this is kind of a slang word, a negative word. I don't care if it's negative or positive. The point I want to make is that the community watched this group of people, saw them as they were taught and trained, and said, you know what? I know a little bit about this Messiah thing, this Christ thing, but I don't really know how that works, but they do. See, one of the reputations we want in our communities is that the community can look at us and say, you know what? I thought Christian meant right-wing Republican. But when I look at these people at Wayne, they mean, that's not even a big deal with them. They care for the poor. They provide for kids in our schools, meals for kids in our schools. They, they, they are always in the community saying, we'll serve, where do you need us to serve? They're, they're really happy people. I don't get that. I think they're taking something because they're just, they're, nothing. I've watched them walk with people who have died of cancer and they're so loving. I thought Christian was meant right wing Republican, but I, these people look something like Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if in your community that, this community looked at you and said, there's a bunch of Christians over there, and I used to have this opinion about them, but the more I hang around them, they're like this. That's when we know that we're beginning to become a mission outpost for the kingdom of God in this community. Two other quick things about this, this church. In verses 27 to, to 30, <clears throat> they heard about a need and this mission outpost gave to need. And notice what it says. It says that they gave according to how they were able. And they sent with them, and we, we have Barnabas and Saul, who would become Paul, uh, sent, sent them down with this gift. The evidence of a mission outpost is that they give to need. You should be known, and you're already doing this, and I know this about you, that you are giving to needs in this community and around the world. Last thing, and we skip a chapter here. And we go to chapter 13, and we looked at this yesterday. A mission outpost is always sending people beyond them, outside the walls of their, their buildings and outside the walls of their groups to go. And in verses 1 through 3, we see that, again, they knew their giftedness. While they were worshiping and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit said to them, uh, uh, set them apart, Barnabas and Saul, to what I have called them to do. And it says they, they fasted and they prayed. They laid hands on them, which simply was a commissioning, and said to them, be released. The la that last word in, in verse 3 is, be re is released, like uh, a prisoner being let go of uh, the chains, let go of their arm. One of the hallmarks of a mission outpost is that we are training and releasing leaders into the church and into the community to start other missions and to start other groups.
I don't know where you are today. I love this story because when someone asked me, well, what is the church supposed to look like? If I went through the crowd here today and asked you that, every one of you would probably have an idea of what that should look like. In, in business meetings, you may share that, uh, what that should look like. But I love this passage because it was one of these Holy Spirit, God-driven groups of people who have been recorded in Scripture and preserved for you and me to show what would happen. And remember what happened? It was simply a group of people who said, you know what, we're going to take a risk and go to someone unlike us with the gospel of Christ. And the place exploded. Yes, there was conflict, and again, chapter 13 uh, and 14, when they begin to interact with different groups of people, there's trouble, and there's, there's always trouble. The church has always been birthed out of conflict and chaos, but the Holy Spirit has always been in control and has always been guiding His people. And here's my question for you today. If you're a member of Wayne Baptist Church, and you may have generations of members in this church, my question to you is, what are you doing to live out the call of Christ on your life, where he has placed you, where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you, where you play? Are you truly being a mission, missionary? A missionary is simply someone on a mission, with a mission. Are you being a mission, missionary in the mission field where God has placed you? Again, never, never disregard the providence of God and even the choices that you make. That he has placed you where, he, where you are. And one of the questions, if you are a follower of Jesus, are you being a missionary? Are you making disciples where he's placed you? And secondly, as a collective church, are you doing this? And there may be some of you here today who need to join this church. You've been around them. You've been uh, watching them. You're part of some of the things that they do. And in a moment when we have the invitation, some of you say, you know what? That's the church I want to be a part of. That's a group of people that I want to be a part of. There's evidence of what the Bible says a mission outpost for the kingdom of God should look like, and I'm in on that. These aren't just church people. These are people living out God's calling. And today you need to come forward in a moment and join this church. Some of you have been around Wayne, and you've grown up in a family maybe, and you say, you know what? I want my life to count for eternity. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I am going, I need to confess. I stood in front of the mirror this morning, and while I was shaving or while I was getting ready, everything that I've ever done popped up into my head, and I almost didn't come this morning because I, I was too ashamed to show up at church. I don't deserve to be at church. But you're here today and God has told you in Christ Jesus that he has forgiven you. There is no shame in a relationship with Christ. He has forgiven you. The value of your life is proven by the price that he has paid for your life through his death, burial, and resurrection. And some of you today need to come forward and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to confess my sins, claim Christ as my Savior and my Lord, my rescuer and my leader. And today I'm going to drive a stake in the ground and say, this is the day I'm going to follow him. What would God have you to do? I want to bow for a word of prayer and then we're going to have our time of invitation. Father, in the name of Jesus, whose spirit, the Holy Spirit, was alive 
in the church at Antioch and is alive in the church in Wayne. That, Father, I pray that as we move through this time, that these uh, followers of Christ will reflect upon your word for them today. But then also, Father, that uh, there will be those who will say yes to you, maybe for the first time. Father, there may be someone here today who was at the Global Impact Conference yesterday and have seen again the power of your work through your church. And today they need to come forward and say, God has called me to go, to leave my country, to leave my family, and to go to a land that you will show them that they may be a blessing to others. Father, is anyone here today who's hearing your call to get everything in their lives to you, I pray that they too will respond. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. We will say yes to you in Christ's name. Amen.